Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Catherine Taylor. Hey Christy, it looks cold where you are. <laughs> it's it's not cold. It it's it's uh it's perfect. I just put this on early. It was cold this morning, and you know, so I've got my hat on, my stocking cap. It's not bad. My hair's not bad. Let's just put that back on. <laughs> yeah, put that back on. Uh, <laughs> let's play a game of where is Christy now? <laughs> oh, who's gonna guess? <laughs> If you follow me on Strava or Instagram, you probably know. But. Yeah. Well, people can't see, but you're sitting on this beautiful deck with all these amazing trees behind you. And I'm really jealous. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> no, we're in the, um, in the Tahoe region right now and uh, getting to experience, you know, sneaking out from work um, to go ride bikes. And then yesterday morning, which was really rad. Um, we got up super early and went and supped on Lake Tahoe, which was just b- beyond beautiful. So, and we're going to go do a little, another paddle this evening and yeah, it's great. I'm not going to lie. I can't complain. So. Yeah. That does not sound like it sucks. <laughs> Doesn't good Wi-Fi, good coffee and good places to go and adventure when you're done working has been, has been nice. So do you think you're going to actually go back to Kansas? <laughs> Well, I have these really cute nieces and a nephew and, and another and that live in Emporia that I have been missing. Yeah. And my folks are there and I have a really cute house that I love. So yes, I will go back to Kansas. <laughs> but but uh, we got to get down to H and Z's wedding at, uh, in Patagonia, Arizona for the, they're, they're finally tying the knot. So yeah, that's mid October, right? You still got a October little bit of trouble. October 3rd is mm-hmm. Yep. So we're heading there. Yeah. Man, that's like, exciting. Exciting has been happening here. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you're getting some nice weather though. So that's oh good. Gosh. We are having like miracle weather. I couldn't believe it because in, in the South you have what they call fall, but it's really false fall. And it means that 
you get a few days of fall, everybody gets everything pumpkin. Like the store is sold out of everything pumpkin. And then like two days later, it's just hot as balls again. And I was looking at the weather and I, I don't know if we're going to have false fall this year. Like that's nice, really good. And like, so I am enjoying the fall right now in Georgia. Well, good. Yeah. That's awesome. So I did not get to ride last weekend, but I'm going to try to get out and do some riding this weekend. I just needed to like lay on the couch. You know, just remember that that crusher challenge that our guest did is still <laughs> open until October 1. You yeah. can head up there. <laughs> the, the upper peninsula of Michigan is like, okay. So I used to work for a company that did nutrition education programs for kids and we implemented them in the schools. And I went and did all the trainings in Michigan, but they were like, we're not going to send you to the upper peninsula of Michigan because it's so far away. It's like a different world. And I went pretty far North and I was like, where am I? <laughs> it was just, I I like I'm there. Uh, the weather is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, but it was just, it felt, I felt like I was in Canada or something, which it is close to Canada. Yeah. Um, but this was, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago. So it was before like marijuana was getting legalized a lot of dispensaries everywhere up there. And I was like, what did the people do up here? Did they just like hunt and smoke pot? <laughs> so it was really funny, but now those are kind of normal. You see them all over the place with the legalization, but, um, but yeah, we had, um, actually somebody that follows us on Instagram, uh, that I had seen her summer adventures and I was like, this woman seems really cool. I think that we should totally chat with her and find out a little bit more about her story. And it was really fun because I think a lot of times we end up talking to people that are pros or semi pros or do this somehow, like they figured out a little way to make this into their job, but, you know, just talking to somebody that does this, um, because they love it because they love it and it's fun and, um, squeezes epic adventures into working a full-time job, um, was really cool. So, so we have, uh, Lisa, oh no, where's my notes about to say it? Vormwald. Vormwald. I was going to <laughs> on the podcast today. Um, and she's going to share about her epic adventures up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got Rose before Brose. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. Thank you. <laughs> Christy, you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? 
<laughs> I did. I was so excited. Valcorva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like post a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh. I'm sorry, my green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket in every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep, they work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights, they're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. So we yep. are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, welcome to uh, the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. I'm here with Christy. Hello. Hi, Christy. And we are super excited to have as a special guest, Lisa Vormwald. Did I say it right, Lisa? You did. Yes. Nailed it. Lisa Vormwald. And Lisa, we're really excited to get to know you. Uh, we met through Instagram. I was following some of your adventures this summer. So why don't you tell us who you are and um, just a little bit of how, how you got into gravel cycling. Sure. Um, do you want the long version of how I got into riding <laughs> or the short version? The good version. <laughs> yeah, the good version, whichever one that is. So I started um, biking in about 2015. I had moved to uh, Michigan from Maryland in 2014 for a job. And I uh, wasn't a cyclist at the time. I was like a CrossFitter five days a week um, and I played recreational soccer and then I tore my ACL playing soccer and so I was kind of in this like I had two knee surgeries that weren't really helping that much and I was like limping around for like nine months and I had physical therapy for nine months and uh, finally like I I knew that my leg was 50% strength of my other leg and I had this friend who I'd met on the soccer team and she was just like, I have a bike in my garage. And it was like a, you know, 2000 rigid Trek mountain bike. And she was just like, you know, try it. Let's go ride some rail trails. And so I started riding rail trails and then it kind of took off from there. It took me a little while before I got to gravel because um, that was 2015. Um, and then in 2017, I did a like all women's um, mountain bike clinic and that got me into mountain biking. And then finally in 2019, I got into gravel. So um, just a, kind of a, a long story, but it was like, it was um, just a good way to, it was a, a bad story that turned good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> An injury turned well, so. I wonder how many former runners, soccer players, tennis players have had like bad knee injuries and turned to cycling kind of. Right, yeah. That's a high percentage for sure. Yeah. That's how I ended up on, on the bike. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because 
I just, I mean, I couldn't even walk, but cycling doesn't bother my knee at all. So that's awesome. And then you live in Michigan, right? Yep. In Kalamazoo. How's the gravel up there? It's great. Michigan has a lot of gravel. So, um, yeah, I had no idea that gravel riding was a thing when I first started mountain biking. Um, and then I did my first bikepacking trip with a bunch of women and they were like, there's this thing called gravel. <laughs> and that was kind of like how I got into it. Cause I saw these other women just racing gravel and just had no idea. So, um, my first ride with gravel was, um, on the Barry Roubaix route. Barry Roubaix is a pretty big race in Michigan. And, um, I did like a, it was like a fundraiser ride on that route and I did it on my mountain bike and I was just like, you know, it was so hard. Like I didn't know that Michigan even had hills and it was so beautiful at the same time. And I was just like, well, I want to do more of this. So I ended up getting a gravel bike in 2019. So. So how many bikes are now in your quiver? Two. Okay. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah. We're hanging it too. <laughs> Cause the first bike I had was, you know, a freebie out of someone's garage. And I was literally like unemployed at that time. So it was like, it took me a while to like get into it and be able to afford things and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's always one of the biggest barriers is it's not a, it's not a cheap sport. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can do it on almost any bike, but then yeah. it's like, well, you know, it makes it so much more comfortable if you have shorts and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. People don't think it's not just the bike. It's all that goes with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember thinking that like I bought the bike, I finally got a real mountain bike with suspension and the dropper post and all that. And then I was like, Oh, I got to buy all this stuff to maintain the bike and, you know, make sure I don't have a flat and then I was like, oh, I should probably get a jersey because pockets are really nice, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Yeah. So what what bikes do you have? I have a um, my gravel bike is a Cannondale Topstone, um, kind of a really nice budget gra gravel bike. Um, I really like it, and uh, my mountain bike is a specialized ruse, so it's a plus bike. Um, it's it was, it's a really good bike for beginners because it, you know, it's got the big tires. So it's kind of like a monster truck. You can just like roll over anything. It's very forgiving when you're like picking lines. So, um, at first I really liked it. And then I was kind of like, Oh, it's not fast enough. Um, but that's the bike that I took on the crusher. And, um, I really liked it cause I just felt really safe on it, you know? So that's really cool. Now you also have a job where you spend a lot of time outside too, right? Tell us about your job. That was really interested in that when you were talking before we started recording. Yeah. So I'm a wildlife biologist um, by education. So I have a, a master's in wildlife science from Texas A&M. Um, I'm currently working on a, a job that studies switchgrass, which is not quite as exciting as what I used to do, but for like 10, 12 years, I studied birds. And so that's, you, you were asking me how I got the, the bird name. And it's, uh, um, I just, I studied birds for 10 years. So anytime I'm out riding with people, I'm often like, oh, there's that bird. Like I can, I can tell you what you're listening to and what you're seeing and stuff out there. So it's kind of become. God, I want to go ride with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that is one of the things I wish I had in my well, my brain power is like yeah. identifying a, wildlife better, birds and, and plants. Yeah. Uh, plants are hard. I like birds. They're, you know, to me, they're easier. They do move, which is a little bit more difficult, but um, yeah, it's, you can hear them. And I mean, everyone hears them and sees them. They just don't know. So it's. Uh, we had hard. 
fun challenge that our local bike shop put out this spring. I don't know. COVID has the year all screwed up for me. So yeah. I don't know like when it was for sure, but um, it was birding. It was biking by birding or birding by biking, something like that. That's cool. And yeah. And it was like just a little fun Facebook page and you would take a picture of a, a bird you would see on a ride. Oh, nice. It was incredibly difficult because they yeah. like, by the time I get the, my phone out of my pocket. Yeah. It's hard to photograph them. That's for sure. So yeah, pretty got, I had a lot of uh, what I call LBJs, little brown yeah. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, there's kind of like a movement. Um, Path less pedaled. They, they started yeah. doing some bird stuff too. So that's pretty cool. I like, I like that idea. So what's the like, most unexpected or craziest bird you've seen riding? craziest birds I've seen riding oh I don't know um I we did a, a Barry Roubaix route one time and um I was following a friend and uh Sandhill Crane you know those they're pretty big you know um came flying out of the woods and almost like crapped right on my my friend <laughs> like it just busted out of the woods and like and I almost caught on video it would have been hilarious to have him film so <laughs> I think when you see those when you see cranes and things like for me anyway I'm always like okay pterodactyls they right. they definitely the dinosaurs definitely morphed into birds <laughs> <laughs> right that's, that's funny we had um this is a total side story but I don't know if you've ever heard of this happening, but I used to coach an outdoor boot camp, and I had not one, not two, but three people that an owl landed on their head and oh, <laughs> tried man. to grab their hair during this outdoor boot camp. We do have a we have a trail that's near Grand Rapids that they put up signs for some owl that will attack you because it's nesting or whatever. So I guess people have. <laughs> I think because everybody terrible. would have their hair up right? Like mm -hmm. kind of messy ponytail in the, and it was dark in the mornings and the owl's like, oh, this is great for my nest. It looks very soft. <laughs> they can be pretty dangerous too. I mean, they wouldn't run outside. They were like, mm -mm, we're doing a running workout. I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would scare me for sure. At like, least on, big on, yeah. Well, on the bike, you'd have a bike helmet. So you'd be <laughs> right. You're pre prepared. <laughs> Safer. A whole new purpose of why you wear a bike helmet <laughs> for the owl attacks, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Lisa, I started following this kind of epic adventure that you took yourself on this summer. So we really want to hear about this, especially, you know, I know a lot of people have been like craving adventure um, in this time of COVID. It's been cool to see, especially women creating their own things. So tell us all about that. Yeah, so I, I kind of got lucky because um, this was a race um, that did not get canceled, although it's it was changed drastically. So um, I participated in the Crusher, and it's a it's normally done as like a point to point race in the Upper Peninsula. Um, there's you know there's several categories. You can do a hundred mile or a two hundred and twenty five or a fifty. Um, and it was supposed to be on like, you know, July 18th, but because of COVID, we obviously had to change that. And so the race director actually changed it to open from July 1st to October 1st. And so originally it wasn't even on my radar because I couldn't do July. And then it kind of opened up. And once, you know, we were doing the stay at home like everyone else. And then we were allowed to like gather in small groups of up to 10 and, you know, we weren't supposed to stay home anymore. So the race director just opened it up and people were allowed to do it. So, um, I wanted to do a bikepacking trip anyway, cause I was a Karen project ambassador 
And um, I was looking for some kind of bike adventure and I was thinking about Arkansas, but like, I didn't want to go out of state. And so the crusher came up and it's normally just a sub 36 effort. Like people just go out and ride it um, all night. And I decided to bike pack it instead because um, one, I wasn't sure if I could do the overnight thing. And two, just because I really wanted to ride in the UP and see it and enjoy it and experience it like not in the dark. <laughs> so, um, so a lot of people have actually ridden this as a race, um, for the last three months. And it's been really fun to watch. They got dots going and everything. Um, but we did it as a bike packing trip. And as far as I know, there haven't been other people that have really tried it that way. So, um, so it was like 248 miles and it's enhanced gravel, which means that it's, uh, two tracks, sand, mud, um, quite hilly. I think it was 14,000 feet elevation. And there's this, the beginning of it goes over, um, Hogback mountain, which is like a hiking trail that we had to like drag the bikes up, um, oh, wow. over these like rocks and boulders and things. And then, of course you got to get back down, which was actually the harder part. Um, and so we, you know, we switched it up a little bit because we had to bike pack. So we didn't want to take like 60 pound bikes over hogback. So we actually did hogback first without all that gear. And then, um, and then it did the rest of it like the following day. And so we were out there for four days, three and a half days, um, and got to see all of it and experience it. And it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done on a bike. Um, but I was happy that we, you know, we got to sleep at night. So <laughs> So who, who's we? Uh, I went with my friend Heather Bell. So um, she, I wanted to do this adventure for the Karen project. And I told her that I think I was going to do this. And she's like, can I come? And I was like, yeah, and this is like way back before we knew that um, the race director had sort of made it extra special just for like this COVID year. So he kind of, you know, he threw hog back into it. That's not normally in it. It just made it like the craziest hardest ride you could possibly come up with so um we had agreed to do it back then and it just sort of like people started to ride it and we were just like oh no like people were running into bears and moose and climbing over this mountain and like mud puddles and mosquitoes and flies and like all these crazy stories you know and like i had some friends go do it and they were like you know this is this is really hard you're like you're gonna have a hard time carrying all that equipment and I was just like oh no like should we not do it but we we stayed the course and trained for it and went up there and did it and really glad that we did so I'm so glad you didn't let that them detour you from your yeah I mean I, I was kind of worried about it because it was just more treacherous you know to carry all that stuff but um I don't know. It was, it was definitely, I think the way we did it actually made it um, more enjoyable than what most people were going through. So um, it was a lot of fun for sure. And you did this as a fundraiser for the Karen project. So tell us what that is and why you wanted to do that. Yeah. So the Karen project, I've been following them on Instagram for um, a couple of years, probably. And then they had this call for ambassadors. And so what they do is they have ambassadors go out and um, do an adventure, anything, like anything outside. It could even be like a marathon or, or whatever. Um, it could be something close to home or, you know, hiking the PCT. Um, and so they have these people go out and do the fundraiser. They help them raise money. Like they, they help them launch the fundraiser essentially. And then the money goes back to um, outdoor adventure for girls and women. So like the Karen Project takes it and 
you know, groups that are um, like specifically trying to get more girls into um, cycling and stuff like that. But they also incorporate like leadership skills into those programs. So how long has that project been around? Um, I want to say four years or something. Um, It was created by Sarah Castle and Allison Wright. And um, they just went on a trip. I think it was the John Muir Trail together and they just kind of schemed up this idea and turned it their own thing into a fundraiser. And then they were like, oh, what if we had ambassadors and made this bigger? And I think they've donated, I don't know, 160,000 in grant money across the US and it's um, becoming a pretty cool thing. And this year they're specifically, you know, the ambassadors are raising money, but they also have their own specific campaign going for um, specifically trying to look for groups that uh, support girls of color. And so they're doing like a, a diversity fundraiser specifically. Right nice. now, so. And Karen in that instance is spelled like the trail marker. Yeah. It's C-A-I-R-N. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like, I like out about those, them. This is such a cool organization that I'd never heard of until you started posting about it. Yeah. Yeah. We Did need to have a on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah. yeah, they they also like, you know, the beginning when, when COVID was going on, we just as ambassadors, we were getting together having Zoom meetings, um, just, you know, different ambassadors talking about different things and learning things from each other. So that was really cool, too. So I was just gonna ask how somebody becomes an ambassador. All I had to do was apply online. Um, they were doing a call for ambassadors in, in March and it was like some, you know, some essay questions. And I honestly didn't think that I'd necessarily get it because like, I don't hike the PCT or, you know, do tour divide or whatever. And so, um, you know, I just wasn't sure. And of course they were, they were happy to have people that do all kinds of different adventures. So. I was just going to ask, do you have another one planned? Another adventure? Uh, Not not at the moment. Um, I, I, Arkansas is still in the back of my head, but we'll see with, you know, I don't really know what to do with COVID right now. Um, but I could go south, right? Because it's getting cooler up here. Like, <laughs> if you go to the UP now, you're going to freeze. So, <laughs> not time to camp outside right now, right? Right. <clears throat> huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know we can think of a good adventure for you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm thinking. I'm like, huh. Yeah. I, I really like, you know, the crusher was, you know, a lot of people do the crusher because it's like so challenging and it's this overnight thing. Um, and I want that aspect of it, but I also really like seeing new places. And um, yeah, so that's why I like, you know, I was looking at Arkansas high country. That was kind of the area that I was thinking about. And um, yeah, I've had some other ideas, but I did um, a trip to Minnesota um, the year before. So I did a solo bikepacking trip in Minnesota. It's like uh, Superior National Forest near Boundary Waters, and that was a lot of fun too. Do you take your gravel bike or your uh, mountain bike when you do these? I did gravel bike in Minnesota, but uh, the Crusher definitely needed a mountain bike. <laughs> I can imagine going up that, that, <laughs> yeah. that trail. It was there's like this section that's um, it's called Mosquito Gulch, and it's got like these huge I don't know it's like this V shaped sand really steep thing there's pictures of it in my instagram it doesn't look steep at all um so you can't tell but it's super steep and um you know 
pushing a 60 pound bike up that was definitely interesting. Like there's videos of me just like taking a break, (laughs) trying to breathe, you know? Um, And then after these two like sandy sections, it's just like, it looks like a hurricane hit it, like all these down trees and then it's mud and these like boulders. And so you're just like walking through these boulders, but at the same time, it's like super beautiful up there, you know? Um, So it's, it's interesting. I think it took us 30 minutes to go a mile or something in there. And we kept trying to ride it and we would just like slide because it rained the night before. So it was just like super muddy and we'd like fishtail. And so we were like, let's just walk. <laughs> so I think that's a good point because uh, a lot of times I, I can't remember who I saw, whose Instagram I saw it on that basically said, if people understood that when I do my big epic trail runs, I'm walking half of it. Right. People, <laughs> maybe yeah. more people would do it. And I'm like, you don't have to ride the whole thing. I mean, no, yeah, we definitely, we definitely walked a lot. I mean, there was a lot of s- steep climbs with like loose rock. Like it was mostly like lo- loose rock out there. Um, so you were like going down steep descents and you've got rocks that you're maneuvering and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely, there's, there's nice gravel out there too, but not as much. <laughs> so there's like a section that's just like, a riverbed like it you're like walking on a riverbed but it's a road and you're like what's going on here <laughs> so you want to know who's driving that road yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that's crazy um, yeah, so. and i really love the boat up there too like when you get up into the upper peninsula of michigan it's you're pretty like just out there <laughs> yes definitely yeah we had a um the race director let us borrow an um an in reach mini so that was nice um because he was keeping track of where we were and stuff so um but yeah it was, it was definitely an adventure and it was you know i've gone on two other bikepacking trips and you know there's always some downtime but like we really didn't have any downtime we stopped there's one town on the route at mile 140 and we stopped for pizza at a bar uh, for like an hour. And that was like the only downtime. Like otherwise we were just chugging along, you know, and it was just super slow. You kind of had to get used to, you're not going 15 miles an hour gravel. You're going six miles an hour. So. Um, well, I guess you got to see it then, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the, 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 there's a Huron river crossing that's super beautiful on Lake Superior. And there's definitely like some, some really cool highlights in that the whole trail is really pretty. Um, One of the other sections is like it's through McCormick wilderness. That's super gorgeous. Um, But it rained on us. So we got like a full day of, you know, nine hours of rain. So like, I was like, this is beautiful, but it's pouring. (laughs) So it's definitely, definitely an adventure. So yeah. Those make the best stories. They really, I mean, when you're going through it, it just like, you're like, oh my God, why did I sign up for this? Yeah, it was funny because the first two days were pretty normal, you know, like just riding. Like the first day is kind of crazy because it's just, it had, there's just so much diversity to what the trail's like. The landscape's kind of always changing. And then like you're on single track and then you're on pavement, but we had like a 20 mile headwind. And then you're like going down this thing that's like a railroad tracks, like with the wooden planks across, but there's like these nails sticking up that you're trying to avoid. And then the vegetation is trying to attack you. And, and then you're like popped out on pavement, you know, and then you're back in and you're scooting around um, you know, mud puddles, like just working through the woods around mud puddles. And then it was back into nice gravel for a while. And it just constantly switched. And it was just like some kind of video game, like, 
someone's got the <laughs> controls or something. <laughs> so Frogger on the crusher. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were joking with the the race director the whole time that he had controlled the weather because it kept raining every weekend that people wanted to go out and do it. And we're like, can you turn off the rain here? You know? <laughs> Hilarious. So just to clarify though, you said he made it like extra hard for this year. So if somebody's like race sounds kind of interesting, but I'm terrified. It's not always that crazy or like that. Yes. You're going to get some of that. Um, I think you get some of it last year. I think it went from Copper Harbor uh, to Marquette and it was pretty much gravel. Um, but yeah, this year he, because of COVID, I guess he just thought it'd be fun to make it even harder. He's um, like, Hey, uh, let's just put some people out on their own in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, it's amazing how many people have actually done it. Like I think he's had like 400 people attempt some length, you know, cause there's the hundred mile and that's taking people like, I don't know, 13 to 16 hours for a hundred miles. And, um, there's a 50 mile and there's been like a bunch of like nine and 10 year olds who've done the 50 miler, um, and people of all ages. And, you know, so it's been really fun to watch, um, all these people that just, you know, you just have to kind of go into it with a mindset of like, this is not going to be fast. You know, I'm going to have to walk my bike and there's going to be challenges. And, you know, as long as, I think as long as you go into it with that kind of an attitude that, you know, you can get through it for sure. Um, the 250 is, you know, riding through the night. Most of these people are riding straight through the night for 36 hours. And that to me is kind of crazy. So um, that's, that's a little bit next level than what I wanted to do, but um, it's impressive. A lot of people have been doing it and some people have actually done all four routes um, and a run. So there's a run as well. So you can run the 50, I think, or there's a 40 mile run. So, um, and again, you're probably not running the whole thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a lot of like river crossings and it's just, it was just crazy. It was interesting, but, um, I think, you know, for the most part, it's, it's a difficult one, but it's not, um, I think it's doable for anybody that is willing to like, you know, sort of take their time and prepare well. Yeah. So, well, I'm stoked to hear what uh, you come up with next. So you'll have to let us know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's going to be hard to top that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to top it. Yeah. But, you know, finding another beautiful place and sharing your stories from that. It's always, I think it's always just inspirational. So, yeah. Yeah. I've got like, you know, a lot of comments from people that are like, oh, you're inspiring. And I'm just like, sort of not sure what to do with that. It's kind of funny. And I'm like, they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just been like, I didn't know that I could do that. I just went out and tried it, you know? So I think that would be my, my advice to people is like, just get out there and, and give it a shot. Um, you don't have to do 250 miles your first ride or whatever. If you want to go bike packing, you can do a short stint um, just an overnighter, strap some stuff to your bike and go try it. You know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, and you don't have to start off with all of the gear either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Like give it a try and see if you like it. And if you think yeah. you like it, then making that, taking the time to make, or and <clears throat> to make the investment in those pieces, obviously it's going to make your experience better, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. For sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, options for bags and stuff that are cheaper. Like all my bags don't match or anything. I've just like acquired a bag here and there and kind of build up, you know, an arsenal of stuff that I can try to take. And, you know, I switched from like backpacking to bikepacking, um, which yeah. made it 
fairly easy transition, but like for anyone who's a backpacker and it's kind of like, well, I don't really, it's hard. Um, bikepacking is so much easier. Like the stuff is not on your back. So, um, you know, it slows you down a little bit, but it, I think it slows you down a lot less than you would expect. So, um, backpacking is just, you know, hard on the body, hard on your back, hard on your legs. So bikepacking is a lot more fun. Nice. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on and sharing this with us. And I just loved, you know, like figuring out an adventure and going and doing it um, and then putting a cause that you cared about around it. I think that's really cool. And tell people where they can find you on Instagram. We alluded to it, but what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, it is birds.and.bikes on Instagram. Um, and you can, my campaign for the camera project is still up. So I've got the link in my bio. Um, and if you just go to their website, they're doing a campaign as well. So any, any donation is welcome, but thank you guys for having me. The girls gone gravel podcast is a production of live feisty media, subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>